Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark. Two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you, so why not write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. And now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. For those of you tuning in on YouTube, tuning in because, you know, you've got to move the rabbit ears around and turn the dial on the YouTube to find us here. You've tuned in. We now have our pictures. Our faces are here wonderfully for the first time. Welcome to my home and to Mark's dissection void. (laughs) This is the section void. Yeah, this is just me. I'm I'm, I'm trapped. I'm trapped. Case of emotion perpetually in a podcast all right well let's see here oh we're actually recording now aren't we yeah we are twice okay Okay. well for posterity yeah today we are back to continue following the format of this season which is going from interview to retro review to movies and back to tv which brings us yeah it's a good pattern i like it yeah, a little bit of everything. It's a little more organized, you know. We, mm-hmm. We've we've taken ourselves slightly more seriously in season two. We're going to do this a little while. You know, we are trying, <laughs> in the interest of acquiring more viewers and perhaps yeah. even one day, profit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one really explains to you how to do that. You just kind of have to figure it out as oh, you no. go. You go along and you hope you're doing a good job, and we hope we're still young and sexy enough for someone to pick up. Yeah. Well, for those of you who, mm-hmm. who have listened to this program since the beginning, at one point in time, we did actually have ads on the show, uh, which which everyone absolutely hated. We mm-hmm. get a lot of a lot of hate mail for that, but that's OK. That we did. And those ads are gone. Um, <laughs> hopefully never to return. But in the event that, you know, we actually get to keep our money that it says we're acquiring from the ads, but they didn't actually get. Yeah, they may come back. But hopefully there'll be sweet, sweet ads where we get to record them ourselves in the midst of recording and not not annoying hooray we made this with the website that's publishing us <laughs> yep <laughs> yes sir now that we've gotten that business out of the way we are heading towards our our tv focus for this week yes and we we couldn't think of a better way than to oddly enough focus on a show very similar to seinfeld which we covered mm-hmm. uh last month as our as our tv choice of the month and we're picking it's always sunny in philadelphia Yes, another irreverent show, seemingly about nothing, but instead of friends in New York living in New York life and just kind of figuring out that they're they're not really adults because no. of their terrible, terrible dating habits, we are also with another group of people who really, in the most sense, are not adults. They're perpetually in college without actually any real education behind them. Uh, the characters, anyway, not the, not the performers. And <laughs> they just are you know philly through and through yeah drinking yeah. out of the bar 
which is kind of refreshing in a way because so many of these these sitcoms like you mentioned they they take place in these mm -hmm. these bigger cities or you know they, they they get away from uh from the the flyover country that you and i live in proudly live in this is true mm -hmm. yeah i so it, it is nice to have a, a slightly different setting you know home of rocky balboa yeah um but one thing about this show that i appreciate quite a bit is the longevity because joe I, I was just coming out of high school when this show premiered. <laughs> I know it, it it just keeps going. And I'm honestly surprised each time I see that it's coming back for a new season and not because I think the contents are being bad. Um, it's just because like you are like, you know, the Grey's anatomy of the sitcom world and how yeah. you just seem to be eternal. Um, Sonny. So it's just always like, and again, like it's always, from what I hear from, from people who work in the industry and by I hear them, I'm not talking to them personally. I'm listening to them in other podcasts. Uh, getting a show to go like five seasons yeah. is a hell of an accomplishment, let alone what are they on, like 17, 18 right now? They're, they're actually signed through 18 seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, so. that is like insane, an absolute insane number to reach in television. Wait, you just said that you don't actually hear this from people in the industry, but technically, we have heard it from people in the industry because we've because mm -hmm. <laughs> we've been talking <laughs> to actors that are in these mm -hmm. movies and in these shows, and so it's true. I guess they what have I told us these said things is that I don't talk to these people outside of the podcast. Yeah. I'm not hanging out with celebrities. <laughs> this true. isn't. Yeah. I am. I'm hanging out with children because I'm a teacher. These are yeah, the yeah. these are the people I talk to the most. And oh, yes. clearly they have no idea how TV works. Most of them don't even know TV's around. They just, you know, they watch YouTube. <laughs> they go for like, content like that. I, to kind of go back to the longevity of the show, there are some things that I thought would be a funny way to kind of kick this off because back when It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia came out, uh, there were a few shows on FX, which was the, mm -hmm. you know, the really the only network that I think was a suitable home for this show. Um, but that would have included some legendary shows like The Shield, uh, Nip Tuck, mm -hmm. and Rescue Me. And I remember back in the day when these were on TV. Um, and, you know, It's Always Sunny obviously outlasted these shows. Yeah. Um, not because of the fact that these shows weren't high quality. I think Nip Tuck kind of fell off a little bit towards the end. I think so. But um, when, honestly, I think when they moved from um, Hollywood to Miami, we went from LA to Miami is when the show started dipping and then yeah. it, it dipped even further. I think the season after that happened. And I know that's where I fell off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I didn't, I fell off long before that, you know, mm -hmm. but, but that's, that's what was on TV when the show began. Now we'll go through the exercise of what did it outlast <laughs> on FX? Because there's quite a few shows that uh, either it was around when it came out or came out after and didn't manage to survive uh so really mm -hmm. quick we're just gonna rattle these off though and joe <laughs> i don't even recognize half of these <laughs> i don't either like looking through these and like looking at like at least i would say at least like two or three of them like i really liked those shows they were good shows and at least one of them like i think actually went like start to end exactly how like the writers intended it to be so it was never meant to be longer than it was but yeah. still, you know, a testament that Sonny is still going longer than that. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. And we'll just rattle some of these off for you, though. So some of the shows that didn't outlast It's Always Sunny were Over There, Thief. Never heard of that one. 
mm-hmm. dirt, the riches, yep, dam- damages, November damages, uh, sons of anarchy. Uh, that one was fun. Uh, justified. Oh, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, uh, we've got terriers. Yeah, wasn't that one uh, like uh, they were like serving people like that was their thing yeah one season yeah. one mm-hmm. season a lot of people liked it did not survive unfortunately there mm-hmm. uh we got lights out I've, mm-hmm. I've never heard of that the americans nope. which ah, was, well that was received. a popular one yeah that yeah. One was good mm-hmm. uh the bridge no nope. we have tyrant the nope. strain the bastard execution yeah yeah the, the yeah. bastard executioner which that, i think there are people yeah. who spent longer like single sitting times on the toilet than that show lasted Oh, that's because that's just yeah. He no realized, yeah. I'm not going to keep writing this if no one's going to watch it. it. Yeah, yeah. Like it was the same guy who wrote Sons of Anarchy and now Mayans, yeah. um, the sequel series to that. Yeah, like ratings were shit, so he just like, nope, we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now a couple of these here uh, were well received. They just kind of mm-hmm. served out their time. So oh, yeah. really, really quickly, we've got the League, Louis, Wilfred, Anger Management, and Baskets, and it's not because they were poor quality they just mm-hmm. they reached their logical yeah. end and did, did we say legion in there yeah legion was in yep, there. legion yeah. yep mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i guess the the big thing is is that it's always sunny in philadelphia officially after its 14th season is the longest running american live action comedy series uh-huh which uh, I, that seems like you're just kind of stacking specificities on there to make it work um <laughs> it's the longest running american live action comedy because like again like the simpsons has been going on much longer that's a comedy series and i guess like what's god knows what else is out there on like eastern european tv that's been going since 1982 or something ridiculous you know maybe that yolo guy is still going he's still going all the time you know the specificity for me really just lives within live action comedy series mm-hmm. you know uh because it's america's a big place i mean there yeah. could be shows we don't even know about that Mm-mm. you know are playing in south america that, that could be <laughs> going longer but either way you know it's it's always sunny in philadelphia uh did not start off as it's always sunny in philadelphia uh it actually started off as a an idea original idea here from rob McElhenney, who plays mac on the show and it was originally called it's always sunny on tv uh now according to glenn howerton who plays dennis reynolds in the show um he actually said that it was just originally called jerks which uh i mean that fits that checks. yeah yep mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know i i think i'm i'm happier with the it's always sunny moniker just because mm-hmm. it's you know quite a bit more memorable but yep. uh joe have you ever seen any of the original pilot for this show admittedly no like i have not seen the pilot because danny devito wasn't in the pilot was he oh he wasn't even attached at this point no yeah. no i haven't i haven't seen any any of the show pre danny devito well there are some interesting things that we can we can introduce you to today uh the original pilot for the show was actually just filmed on like handheld cameras okay so mm-hmm. you know literally like your old family memories uh, the, these guys just they scrounge together some money. So this was the team of, as we mentioned, Rob McElhenney, uh, Glenn Howerton, and Charlie Day. So they were all friends in some way or another because of meeting each other through the industry as actors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, Charlie and Rob actually met each other in New York at some point, um, filming a movie together, and then Glenn and 
uh, Rob met in LA. Mm -hmm. um, but regardless, by the time they actually got to creating the pilot for the show, they were all friends for, you know, good, like three or four, maybe five years. Okay. Um, and this kind of spun out of a, a writing exercise between the three of them because they were struggling actors, which mm -hmm. how many times have you heard that before? I mean, I assume <laughs> like most actors are struggling actors and that <laughs> yeah. very few are actually like, yeah, this I can make a living out of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the original idea for the show, you know, ended up being right. Um, and because of that, the content of the pilot took the same identity. They were all mm -hmm. struggling actors trying to make it. And th what they ended up doing was taking actors that they were working with at that point in time. And they put them right into the pilot. Right. Um, okay one of these people in the pilot you might recognize joe okay mm -hmm. uh are you familiar with morena Baccarin by chance i mean she would never have done um anything like notable she never would have been on a a beloved series about lovable space pirates that was canceled way too soon or <laughs> about uh, a tv miniseries about an invading alien race uh under the guise of friendship uh, she doesn't seem like the person who would be in any role like that. So I am unfamiliar with Marina. Dude, she's in She's in the pilot, okay? <laughs> so they, they filmed a couple scenes for this pilot, and what they ended up adapting them from uh, was the Charlie Has Cancer episode of, of It's Always Sunny. This would appear in mm -hmm. season one. So Rob's initial joke that he wrote out was this exchange between like Dennis and Charlie when he goes over to Charlie's apartment because he has to borrow a basketball. Mm -hmm. and Charlie's trying to break the news that he has cancer. Well, meanwhile, Dennis is just kind of like, hey, you know, everybody's still in the car, and uh, I said I'd be right back. Can we talk about this later kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I know this is big news, but I kind of want to get on with my day. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That, that that would survive into season one, and that's what made up the bulk of the the pilot content. Um, but where Marina Baccarin comes into the pilot, uh, she actually ends up playing a pre-op individual who mm -hmm. has a very large penis within her pants. And the camera uh, makes note of this, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> a very, a very uh, uh, th there's not a whole lot of mystery as, <laughs> as to what you're seeing. I'll put it that way. No. Um, this is one of the jokes in the series that a lot of folks have said. This, this didn't really age all that well. Mm -mm. Um, but but Marina plays this character and and she's only in the, the pilot for, you know, maybe like a minute and a half. Um, the exchange itself, though, is is pretty damn funny. Uh, and it it survives into uh, season one as well. So, oh, yeah, because I mean, it survives in season one. And I think it like it's kind of almost like an ongoing thing, because, again, other things that didn't age well is I think there's an episode called Mac Bangs a Tranny. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and who? Who do they have play his girlfriend in that? She's a more notable, more notable actress. I'm trying to like it's, it's bugging like Carmen. I want, I want to say Carmen Electra, and I know that's wrong. Uh, I know that's not so. It. Carmen actually ends up being the character's name in in the this, in, that's in, what it was, in, yeah. in the episode. Mm -hmm. But Brittany Daniel is the actress who portrays okay. her in mm -hmm. the show. So um, Brittany Daniel takes on that role of of Carmen. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably where you recognize her from. Joe Dirt alum. <laughs> yeah uh what's one one quick footnote that's pretty funny though mm -hmm. uh 
Glenn Howerton, uh, oddly enough, would appear in Serenity, the film, you know, based off of Firefly. Yeah, he, show, very... he shows up right in the beginning. <laughs> yep, right in the beginning. It has like what a line, maybe two. Yeah, he says, "Take me with you, please." Yeah, take me with take you. So, yep, that's you. that's yep. It's just one line, and then then he gets shot. Yeah, just some not just that. Yeah, some of his best work, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but but really though, the pilot and this filmed right around the same time. So it's 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 interesting how uh, fate kind of brought them together. But but yeah, the uh, the pilot itself though, I mean, just looking back. If I had seen this as like a short, as like a YouTube short or something mm -hmm. that came out today, uh, I mean, honestly, it doesn't really look, the, the humor's there. Like mm -hmm. it, it is a, it's still a very funny, you know, piece of like TV history. Um, but yeah, some of these, these jokes just weren't going to land yeah. <laughs> later on. Mm -hmm. uh, hate to laugh about it, but hey, it's true. It's, uh, it's just how it is. But what was really good about it, Joe, even from like an early, like early, adaptation of this show mm -hmm. the breadcrumbs are already kind of there to make this feel like the selfishness and the self-absorbed nature that we would go to expect from the show like long term mm -hmm. um so at least it was always it was always there it was always in the fabric right um, yeah speaking of like the show's fabric like that's that's if you're there this is like we've compared it to like seinfeld a little bit and the fact that it's like you know it's 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 episodic. Like you don't really have a lot of carrying over from episode to episode. You do have like you know, I like, feel like there are either running gags or ongoing relationships with side characters where something that happened a season ago may come up this season when the characters return. Um, like is it Rickety Cricket and you see his his <laughs> descent into madness in that show as he interacts with the gang. Um, so speaking of, I mean, that, again, that that descent into madness is like a, a testament to like this is. There's some dark humor uh, going on with oh, with yeah. Always Sunny. Totally, totally. That's that's uh, that's like the base of the show is just that mm -hmm. that dark humor. Um, and you know something about Rob McElhenney that a lot of folks have picked up on throughout the years. He's admitted that yeah, Seinfeld was a major influence on him. Um, and uh, of course, that that would kind of be the core focus of this show is that you have like initially four mm -hmm. friends that are making up the same balance that Seinfeld did. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the pilot obviously focuses more on the three guys. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's a little bit of controversy in the pilot itself because, um, you know, later on, of course, we'd have the character of sweet D who is, you know, portrayed by Caitlin Olson mm -hmm. and she, she kills it. She's hilarious and everybody loves her. But initially the character of sweet D uh, was based on a character that are based on a person that Rob McElhenney dated at one point in his life, who was also named Sweet D. Mm -hmm. And she was portrayed by his then girlfriend, Jordan Reed. So if you look at the pilot, you'll see a completely different character mm -hmm. who's saying a lot of the same things that D, you know, does say in the pilot of the show or the first episode. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they, Jordan Reed, unfortunately, kind of got screwed in this whole process because. Ooh. Yeah, she was there to help create. Mm -hmm. She was there to help fund, and she was there to help kind of build the initial environment of It's Always Sunny. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as producers got involved, kind of fell apart for her and Rob. Oh, and as soon as they stopped dating, she basically was taken off the, the project. Oh, yikes! Okay, yeah. and is this yeah. any relation to Tara Reed? 
<laughs> no, I don't think so. Something that okay, just no. just wondering. Like it, it was a big name in the early two thousands, who also Taylor Reed more or less has disappeared from the limelight. Um, but yeah, just, you never know. Yeah, it's because it's who you know in Hollywood, from what I've been told. Not always talent that gets you where you need to be. Um, yeah, but yeah, which also I feel like we've had several guests who've, uh, or like at least one guest who's talked about how a relationship may have led to something weird uh or production related because wasn't that no 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 i take that back because that was in um cannibal the musical how um was it, it it's matt stone who has made a song about his ex-girlfriend for that no trey, so trey parker trey was parker, yeah. yeah he was he was dating someone that they just broke mm -hmm. up like just before they started filming it and so he wrote an entire thing in this in the story about how his his horse is supposed to mimic that girlfriend in that relationship <laughs> um, honestly looking at like at rob McElhenney's like history and, mm -hmm. and girlfriends um you could definitely tell that he has a you know he definitely has an attraction to blonde women mm -hmm. and uh i mean caitlin olsen and jordan reed also fit the bill uh and it sounds like this is what his ex-girlfriend looked like as well so he's always kind of yeah. handed out for a sweet d hey he's got a type <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got a type and that's that's fine we're not we're not judging we're not judging no, no, we're in no. the trust tree in, in the nest you know <laughs> uh, but kind of a whirlwind though dude at the beginning of this show uh the executive producers stepped in or not the executive producers that would actually be rob glenn and charlie but uh a lot of changes were kind of made from x fx brass right mm -hmm. and one of the first things was like hey we don't need another show about actors you got to give us something else. Yeah. That's chick's so, been done. It's tired. No one's <laughs> buying it. No one wants it. Yep, don't, don't sell it. Don't want to get it out of here. And honestly, Rob took the feedback, spun around and said, okay, we're going to be owners of a bar and we're going to be from Philadelphia because that's where I'm from. And I have mm -hmm. a whole bunch of stories we can base it off of. So <laughs> they, the rest is history, man. But yeah. Uh, and but that yeah, works. Yeah. Cause yeah, that, like, when you look at other things that they they try to do in this show is a lot of a lot of schemes and a lot of plans that they do as like these you know philadelphia regular people owning a bar would want to do to get rich to eventually one day not have to work at the bar anymore oh yeah and i think this is this is where a lot of the fun of the show really really comes from is their attempts to to get rich or their attempts to really do anything because sometimes money's not even involved at all um because if you look at one of the i know one of the first episodes i remember singing was um i think it was charlie and mac fake their death oh really yep <laughs> yeah, that's a bit and later like, yeah that's a bit later it's, it's later and like there's no money involved in that i think that that's a purely emotional thing like oh what would they do if we were actually dead and yeah. them carrying out the scheme is it's just hilarious like the, the uh, there's just like them like they go oh, it'll be a car crash so they had to plan to like just crash a car into a wall and then jump out right before it hit the wall to look like oh no their car crash we can't find them they must be dead yeah. and like they couldn't actually like get the car above like two miles an hour to hit the wall and oh yeah <laughs> they ended up just setting the car on fire anyway oh yeah yeah well mm -hmm. i mean this the the so the, the we talked about the show's fabric right the mm -hmm. big thing is this is like the extreme version of you know two steps forward one step back or i would say one step forward and two steps back mm -hmm. uh because that's really 
what the whole point is, right? I mean, when we start thinking about Seinfeldian like influences, the idea of Larry David saying, I want these characters to learn nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really, this is, this is that extreme, right? Very much. Like I, <laughs> I think if ever, like there's a, a moment where it looks like they're about to learn something, they take an immediate turn away from that and try and not learn something actively oh, yeah. throughout the show. Totally. They never learn. It's, it's always, mm -hmm. it's always about uh, how the characters are slighted by something or, mm -hmm. you know, how they're trying to get ahead of, of something. And, um, and, and honestly, let's, let's actually, take a moment to pause, right? Because in season one of this show, these characters as they should be are totally different from what they would be the rest of the series, right? Mm -hmm. And in season one of the show, yes, it's dark. Yes, the characters are kind of selfish. Uh, but one of the things about this show that a lot of people uh, have kind of attached to is the stupidity of, you know, Charlie's character, you know, Charlie Day's mm -hmm. character. Uh, and he isn't actually that stupid in season one. Like he, he actually hatches some schemes. Like he actually does some things that, uh, that are definitely of low moral fiber. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I want to point that out That's because, yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I just want to point it out because, uh, all of these characters do surprisingly have journeys that they go on throughout mm -hmm. the series with uh you know we talked about glenn howard who plays dennis uh dennis starts off as just kind of vain and it's standard pretty boy kind of stuff mm -hmm. but he descends into madness throughout the show oh yeah and uh <laughs> just makes me think of like him uh and the implication of having a woman alone on a boat yes that's the implications mm -hmm. yeah yeah he he definitely goes from one just horrible extreme to the next. Mm -hmm. uh, one episode, he actually starves himself on purpose because someone makes fun of his chin line looking like it's beginning to disappear uh, <laughs> and, until he just completely passes out <laughs> at, the, at the end of the episode. <laughs> um, oh, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, to discuss the rest of the cast again, because I know we mm -hmm. talked about it a little bit in the pilot. So your main four characters are Mac, who's played by Rob McElhenney. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we talked about Dennis as Glenn Howerton. Uh, and then we've got Charlie, who plays himself, Charlie. who plays Charlie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've talked about Caitlin Olsen, who plays, you know, Sweet D. And mm -hmm. Dennis and, and D. played five the game. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. We'll get to, not, not yet. We'll get to Dennis and D. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis and D are, are, are twin twins, right? Brother and mm -hmm. sister. Um, and so... It, it does kind of add this interesting element because you would think that siblings, while they fight, they still would have each other's back. Doesn't always happen. No, mm -mm. but, but nope. in the early seasons, at least they still kind of keep the, mm -hmm. you know, they, they keep the, themselves in the same corner most of the time. Um, but yeah, this, this first season of the show, it's, you know, it, it, it uses a lot of social issues. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of social issues that come up. So, you know, things like abortion, they do that like right away in season one. Uh, there's a lot of like racism uh, based things that happen in in season one itself. Mm -hmm. um, and a as they, they navigate that first season, you can tell that it's it's definitely shock value for shock value, even though the jokes are really funny. Mm -hmm. They are navigating the extremes on purpose to 
try and find an audience. Well, right? I mean, that, yeah, especially I mean, of of its time. Think back to, like the early two thousands. Like they were just, I feel like a lot of like shows really trying the shock value thing. Um, like oh yeah, what comes to mind, especially and thankfully died pretty quickly, was Mind of Mencia. Like that was completely <laughs> yeah. all attempts at like shock value sketch humor. And then we found out when he was stealing jokes from Joe Rogan, he just got killed. Like, you know, he, his show just got slammed and thankfully destroyed because it, it wasn't great to begin with. But I feel like that was that was kind of the thing is that we wanted as a society to kind of see that um, kind of like, you know, like when you go to uh, any stand up and how you're kind of expecting a little shack belly, you're expecting the community to go a little too far because in that environment, it works. It's kind of okay. You go there with the understanding that if you're in like the first two rows, you are cannon fodder for whoever's on stage. Oh, yeah. It could be for any reason. Because of your hair, what you're wearing, because you looked at your phone once. It could be anything. Like you're you're theirs to make fun of. And there are rarely, rarely any lines that can that can't be crossed. Yeah. Unless you're Michael Richards. You cross like that's a line. You, you so Ugh. Stand up won't save you there. Yeah, I'm not um, touching that one. No, no. no. <laughs> and so I think like kind of like this idea that we're giving more and more comedians their own shows is that we're trying to get that environment like out there that we can have that kind of like, you know, habitual line stepping uh, happen oh, yeah. on TV and see how far we can get with it. And this was a show where they did that, but it wasn't like an established like comedian doing sketch comedy with it. So it was just trying to do, again, something similar, but something more, I wasn't that more scripted. Obviously, even the sketch comedy things are scripted, but just a different format with sitcom as opposed to sketch. Well, I think the important thing to mention here is one of the quotes from like the first reviews of season one in that it was smug enough to think it's breaking ground, but not smart enough to know it isn't. <laughs> 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 which, that's, that's pretty great <laughs> which is less of an indictment on the writing i think it's it's more about people not really getting the point here because mm -hmm. yes there's a lot of shock value involved in this show in the i mean throughout but i mean especially as you mentioned in this time capsule of season one mm -hmm. it, it's it's the reason why i don't think it's as offensive as it could be is because the characters themselves truly do not know that this is unacceptable behavior you know, they, they are written to the point mm -hmm. where you're thinking to yourself, yeah, if I was a, a person who had a conscience and actually understood social norms, mm -hmm. you wouldn't do any of these things. <laughs> they would be in prison. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But these are people who truly do not understand. And so that's why I think, um, to me, I'm not going to use the word endearing <laughs> by any means. <laughs> um, but to me, that's why I can kind of separate feeling notions of offense mm -hmm. and and just recognizing yeah these people are just this bad they just yeah. don't get it they're just this awful yeah. um so that makes me wonder because again you obviously had started the show much earlier than i did so a lot of shows will do like what you said how like charlie and mac and dennis and everyone uh like definitely over time like eased into their characters or really found like their whole like their foothold because like even like Parks and Rec season one, um, you had Leslie Nope was basically Michael Scott, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but female, and then she went from stupid to just obsessive as opposed to that. She was obsessed with making people happy, obsessed with doing her job well, and that's what made her character. 
So when we look at the characters here, we know, like we said, Dennis goes into Descent into Madness. Um, Mac is always kind of physically obsessed with himself. And we look at Charlie's level of stupidity. I think it's encapsulated really well in one scene of the show where um, Danny DeVito's character, Frank, who we haven't brought up yet, um, we'll get to him a little, little more here. But he decides to make Charlie his protege. And to let you know just how bad Charlie's gotten between the start of the show and to this point, uh, it's revealed that Charlie cannot read or write. Yeah, yeah. To, to save his life. So when Frank says that Charlie's his protege and he's told that he can't read or write, he's like, oh, he'll adapt. He'll yeah. adapt to reading? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and honestly, it is a good point to bring up. Uh, Danny DeVito coming onto the show because, mm-hmm. yeah, you could kind of tell in season one while it was still funny, you know, it, it was still kind of gripping. Um, they they did their best to try and rope people in as like you know special guests, right? Because they, mm-hmm. I mean, technically they had freaking uh, Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell in in season one. He plays a coach from their high school. Um, dude, even uh, Michael Rosenbaum is in season one. Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have a, a, in the episode gun fever, it's episode Mm -hmm. five of season one. He plays uh, sweet D's boyfriend who is, uh, secretly robbing all the bars in Philadelphia. And if you haven't seen Mm -hmm. that episode in a while, because you, you may just not even have realized it. Mm -hmm. Michael Rosenbaum playing this character, uh, made me belly laugh. You know, when I went back in retrospect and watched it, because mm-hmm. he he is he kills it in this dude. He is hilarious in the episode that he's in. I believe so. it. Like like him, if you ever if you ever listen to him talk or ever know anything about him, like he will tell you that when he told all of his friends that he got Lex Luthor on Smallville, they're like bullshit. Yeah. Like there's no <laughs> way you're playing a villain. Like it's impossible. You're hilarious. You're and in honesty, kind of stupid. Yeah. Um, they, but like he's not stupid. He, he's smart. But like his friends, are like no, you don't fit that character. There's no way you'd be mean. Um, there's no yeah. way you could be a villain. So like him doing this, where he's I guess he's a villain because he's robbing um he's robbing all the bars in Philadelphia. Oh, but dude. he's hilarious doing it. it. It'll always stick with me because when you first see his character, mm-hmm. uh, he he comes back to their bar which he has just robbed, and they obviously don't know that. Ew. But but he's like he he's like hey, what's up, babe? And D's like oh, you know we're doing all right, but the rob got barred, and he goes what happened are you kidding me and <laughs> just then lays it on super thick oh yeah yeah and, and he's like hey guys i'm sorry it's a travesty all right let's go babe <laughs> so, so if you're if there's any michael rosenbaum fans that you know mm-hmm. listen to our program go watch this episode it's it's a it's a very funny you know look in the first season but despite this though yes season one had major ratings problems and so the the big wigs at fx they came to rob McElhenney again because he's kind of the in, you know de facto leader coming up with the mm-hmm. idea and the concept and they go yep you're gonna need to bring a heavy hitter onto this show someone who's got a little bit more star power and this is where there's a couple different perspectives as to how this happened okay um, obviously, you've mentioned Danny DeVito a few times. He joined the show. He's yeah, made player this... five enters the game. Yes. Yes, he's made this an absolute hit ever since he's been on it. Um, but there's there's two different schools of thought on how he got onto the show. 
the one that I think is truly the the actual reason, uh, the president and GM of FX at the time, his name was John Landgraf. Uh, there's there's stories that say that he talked to Rob and just said, I'm friends with DeVito. He's going to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no getting around it. You get Danny DeVito, in which case. <laughs> Who would be mad about that? I well, hey, dude. <laughs> like I'm stuck with Danny DeVito. Oh, fuck. That's Rob, fantastic. Rob actually fought this. He really? actually he he said this is going to probably ruin the fabric of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh and he he, he kind of had that effect like um how, you know, Ramis didn't want to, you know, work with like Tim Allen, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. and then in hindsight he's like, yeah, okay, actually yeah, this is a really it's yeah. a really good mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Um but either way, you know, Landgraf's his opinion was, you know, followed and validated. Um, but the other idea was that DeVito's kids uh, saw season one, mm-hmm. really liked it. And he's like, yeah, I'll take a shot. I'll give it a, give it a chance. Um, so either way, him becoming part of this show, that, that was a major like influence on me sticking with it. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, I think a line from from Frank encapsulates this this perfectly with the character. If you, if I think if you had to capture him with one line, it is, I've only got a few good years left, so I'm gonna get real weird with it. <laughs> and well. that's Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it and really, when you when you think about it, man, if you watch season one again, like when I looked at some of the core elements of season one, I thought that they had a good like cast of characters outside of what Frank would initially end up being in season two. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you had Artemis, you know, D's friend who yep. uh, gets her, her asshole bleached and, <laughs> and talks about it loudly in clubs. Um, <laughs> and she was hilarious. She actually licks Dennis's face. Uh, <laughs> she's trying to audition as a bartender. Um, so, so she, she's, she's really funny. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the McPoyles. The McToil, oh, uh, the McToils. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. The weird it, obsession with drinking milk. It's not a weird obsession, Joe. You need your calcium, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, they show up right away uh, at near the end of season one, and I, honestly, I th- those characters are just they're the incestuous, strange uh, former classmates of the main characters, mm-hmm. and uh, always weird. Like always weird. Yeah. Like, every time you think they can't be more weird, every episode they, they're on, they <laughs> crank it up. They find they, a way. They do. They trump you every time. Yeah. So <laughs> you've got Jimmy Simpson, uh, who would later go on to star in Westworld and uh and Nate Mooney, who is mm-hmm. uh so they play brothers Liam and Ryan McPoyle, who are just absolutely strange. Apparently they shower together and apparently they huff a lot of pledge, uh, which hey, whatever. <laughs> That's that's how they got there, um, yep. but they also like sent a lemon and freshness. That's you, <laughs> dude. Also in season one, you have Charlie's uncle Jack who appears, who's played by uh, Andrew Friedman, who is the, the creepy uncle Jack. Is mm-hmm. it, it's his weirdness is on full display in season one, uh, and later you know he would fully cement just how strange he was, um, and then you have uh, Lynn Marie Stewart who played Charlie's mom as well she would mm-hmm. be integral to a lot of weird shit that would happen uh later on <laughs> as <laughs> as we mentioned with danny devito uh believe it or not they they wrote in a uh a, an abortion that didn't quite take apparently 
between between, <laughs> between Frank oh, and, and Charlie's mom. So, oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, all all that stuff was there. They they had it mm-hmm. in the beginning, like these these characters and and just their strangeness. Like the DNA was good. Like they mm-hmm. they had a really good uh, starting point to kind of build on. Um, and when you look at the ratings specifically for this show, mm-hmm. um, it's it's plain as day. Like season one, really surprised it didn't get canceled. Mm-hmm. But as you go throughout the series. Uh, as soon as Danny DeVito's attached, boom, people are showing up, right? Yeah. Um, and and pretty much from that point on, like the aggregate scores and everything, they support that, yes, like this is a winning combination. Mm-hmm. And really the, the, the scores per season from that point excel quite a bit, uh, really up until up until now. Like some of the recent seasons have dipped a little, but oh. overall people are happy with it. Well, again, like I feel like you know those like those early season woes. Like every show goes through that. Like I don't know of too many shows that were just like instant hit, like boom, just worked right away. I mean, there are there are definitely some out there. But, like even shows that we love, like Star Trek: Next Generation, that took I think what three seasons three. Yeah. to really find its footing and really do well. Um, and then with Seinfeld, same thing. It wasn't until like what season four that like the show really took off five actually five, season yeah. five mm-hmm. yeah yeah before that it was just like i don't want to mm-hmm. watch new york people be new york people mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just kind of what happens and then also again like you know your show goes on for 15 16 seasons you know you're gonna have dips here in the writing it's it's, it's just what it is um because at that point where you're doing the same characters for that long like obviously there's like an infinite number of things to do because it's life and there's so much out there but from a writing standpoint like i have to imagine like it gets it's got to feel like at some point you've had the characters do just about everything so what's next so you can't help but like you know you know have a few whiffs here and there where like an episode just doesn't land or sometimes and oh, like half a season isn't all that great which you know some some people have said that about it's always sunny that you're obviously going to have high points and low points in each season, and which is true. There, there are some episodes that didn't really land for me at all. Um, I would say that what really like won me over as a fan was that the more that you watch this show, the more you realize that it's a lot of it's pulled from Rob McElhenney's actual experiences and like people who he grew up with in Philadelphia. <laughs> um, because the McPoyles are based on real people, like just mm-hmm. really strange classmates of his. Uh, we've already talked about how Sweet D mimics a person that he dated. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his real life, like childhood home, appears in an episode of the show. Ah, no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oddly enough, it's right next door to his like aunt and uncle, whose house is actually mm-hmm. featured on the show. His dad um, didn't go to prison because of him, did he? I don't think so. Because <laughs> if that was pulled from real life, it's like, oh, God, Rob. <laughs> Dude, things know. got dark there for you, like IRL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know about that story, but I do know that Green Man was based on a friend of his who used to wear like a full-on spandex mm-hmm. green bodysuit to sporting events. And uh, they actually paid him off to have rights to that character uh so <laughs> mm-hmm. which you know good for them because like okay so i guess if we look at like some real pivotal episodes of this show which i don't know if we're, that's where we're doing with this green man is one of them 
because oh, yeah. it's just one of those gags where again it's a scheme where um i think it's charlie and d think they're going to make some sort of i think like viral video or something they want to be like internet famous so they have d be this fake reporter at a sporting event and she's supposed to talk to someone and then charlie pops up in this full green head-to-toe suit all green and like slaps or hits the guy that she's talking to except the first guy she says something to is like a mountain of a man and he's huge and muscular so charlie pops in to hit him and then the last second out of complete fear changes his mind and like throws the ball and hits d in the face instead oh yeah yeah and yeah that, well that's technically that's not even the first appearance of green man uh Green Man appears in The Gang Gets Invincible, um, oh, which I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's season three. I want to say it's season okay. three. Maybe, maybe it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three. Where uh, they, the, so De- uh, Mac and Dennis want to do tryouts for the Philadelphia Eagles because mm-hmm. they're they're inspired by uh, Mark Wahlberg's Invincible movie. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that's where that starts. They go to uh, try out for... <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles, which I'll explain a little bit more of this later. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go to try out for the Eagles, and Charlie just wants to go to hang out and and just chill while he's there. Mm-hmm. But the, a series of events occurs to where he can't chill at all, and it leads to Frank dosing him uh, <laughs> with uh, with acid. He just puts acid in his beer. Oh my and, god. And and he's like, that's what the that's what the bits of paper were in my in my beer. I drank all that, and so in in this haze, you know, mm-hmm. like in the beginning, they mentioned Green Man a little bit, and then after Charlie is it like drug induced, suddenly he's Green Man just dancing around and doing mm-hmm. his thing. Oh um, God! So then in the second Green episode, Green Man episode, is that when they have Riot Punch? No, Riot Punch that is, is later. Oh, yeah, okay, Riot, Riot Punch is later. Uh, <laughs> But Green, yeah, this that was the first appearance of Green Man, and then as you mentioned, when they're trying to get ahead and and make like a viral video, he mm-hmm. he dons the suit again. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, honestly, like I said, mm-hmm. season three for like for me, that's when a lot of my my loyalty began because there's a really funny episode with uh, the gang dances their asses off where we talked about uh, <laughs> Charlie's uh, inability to read, mm-hmm. how he's illiterate. Well, it bites him in the ass specifically here because he's filling out this form where he thought that they were, uh, you know, winning something for the bar. But really, Charlie was accidentally putting the bar up as a reward for a dance contest. So if you if you won the contest, you'd win the bar. Oh, God. Yeah. That sounds like Charlie. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's a hilarious episode. Like. Here, here's the thing. Like, we'll we'll mention some episodes and some things that you might know mm-hmm. just because of how pop culture works, right? Um, but overall, the recommendation is going to be: if we say something, just go go check it out. Oh yeah, because <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's it, there's there's no point in giving away these jokes. Like, just go you know go watch them. But another really really big like season three point for me was Mac is a serial killer, and that's the one where he's dating. You know Carmen again, but he's sneaking mm-hmm. around, you know everybody to make it seem like he's not. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that the Mac is a serial killer episode. Doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, I could always watch that episode over and over again. <laughs> it's just that damn funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. a character, like a side character, that we haven't brought up yet that I think is is pivotal to the show because of her relation. 
she doesn't have a relationship with Charlie, but Charlie thinks he has a relationship with her as the waitress. Oh, yes. Uh, who in real life isn't isn't she married to Dennis? No, no. In real life, uh, the waitress and Charlie are are married. Are, okay. For some reason, yeah. I always thought it was it was her and Dennis were married. Um, so in the show, um, Charlie is basically stalking this woman and is always trying to like find his way into relationship with her. And I think where we get, I would I'd never say it culminates, it never reaches a zenith, but I think it reaches a point where in both of their minds, they're finally going to get what they want in season five, where we have the day man. Or, the, or is it, no, the, is it the night man coming? The, the, yeah, the night man coming. The night man yeah. cometh. Where this is one, um, you've definitely, if you have, if you haven't seen the show, you've probably heard references to Dayman. It actually, it it comes in two forms because at one point there's an episode where Charlie and Dennis are hanging out and they're trying to write a hit song, and they're yeah, puffing spray paint, which is in season three. Yeah, in season three. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. come up with the Dayman song, like Dayman. Oh. Yes. Fight of the night, man. <laughs> and they have this little song, they perform it, and they are it's 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 bad hilarious, is is what oh, yeah. we end up seeing in that episode. And it comes back around in season five where it turns out um Charlie has written a play around the song. Yes. And, and of course, with with the uh, the the desperate need to be recognized and the self-absorbed nature of the characters, because Dee is of course she she maintains being a failed actress on the show. Yes they all kind of bite and want to be a part of it just because mm -hmm. yeah they're that they're that, they're that ridiculous they are and they all like this all like resonates in some way shape or form um you've got d just i think wanting more stage time and wanting to really emphasize her her solos and her and her singing uh and she's awkwardly supposed to be going out with the day man or there's a love interest with the day man who is dennis her brother so there's they're not boy. comfortable with that a little boy yeah. tiny boy we tiny boy <laughs> it's, it's 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 rough because uh as we'll, we'll disclose this one a little bit because uh it's 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 pretty clear that the lyrics of of nightman and dayman uh relate to some trauma in charlie's childhood mm -hmm. which we don't want to laugh about but um i mean it, they kind of make it funny they make it really funny oh, they make it incredibly <laughs> funny yeah and that's that's the mm -hmm. whole point but uh to kind of come full circle to what you mentioned, though, mm -hmm. uh, it is interesting that Rob McElhenney and uh, uh, he ends up meeting his future wife, you know, mm -hmm. on this show. And it's it's funny how you've got different people who are kind of hooking up behind the scenes here, right? So Rob McElhenney, Caitlin Olson, they're actually married mm -hmm. in real life. Uh, Charlie Day and uh, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, who plays the waitress, they're also married in real life. Um, they they met before the show and were married before the show. Mm -hmm. um, Danny DeVito and Dennis married in real life. Um, it all just sort of happened. <laughs> uh, Dennis, oddly enough, he's actually married to the actress that um, he's basically stringing along in the Dennis system episode. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like in, in one way or another, like all the main characters and their spouses are all involved in the show. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, I guess for me, dude, like we could go, we could try to go season for season oh, God, here, Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but keep in mind, there's 15 seasons of this show now. <laughs> and... Yes. We would still be recording into, um, you know, 15 years from now, if we go season to season, episode to episode. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, we totally would. Uh, but I think the big things here to point out is it's, it's honestly similar to what we talked about with Seinfeld. And I don't mm-hmm. want to use Seinfeld as like, uh, saying it's like completely derivative, right? Cause, yeah. cause yeah, there are some similarities, but mm-hmm. it's very clear that these shows had completely different paths after a while. Um, and I, I think that obviously not learning from any lessons is a big part of it, which mm-hmm. once again, we could say it's similar to Seinfeld, but I, you have to say that intelligence probably plays a bigger role in that as opposed to, uh, yeah, the the self-absorbed nature of of Seinfeld's mm-hmm. characters, because the, the people in in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like the intelligence does not stay consistent mm-hmm. for any of them at all. Now, Charlie, we've mentioned he gets progressively dumber throughout the Very. series. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but they all kind of end up, you know, being on the same level after a while in terms of depravity and mm-hmm. uh and, and the self-centered nature of things. Yeah, and I would say at least like in Seinfeld, like you said, like they're all, all of them are self-absorbed and really they all like at the heart of it, they're all bad people. Um, yeah. But at least in Seinfeld, they all think they're good people. They try yeah. and like justify what they do and like they, they all in all, they think they're they're good in what they're doing. Whereas I think deep down in, in It's Always Sunny, I would say less than half of them think they're good people. <laughs> yeah. I think they're all fully aware of who they are in the show. Oh yeah, I mean, there's ne- usually never a character on "It's Always Sunny" who doesn't feel slighted by something. That's true. Um, but intelligence never plays a part in in usually what goes on. Uh, but I think so. The stuff to really watch for, though, because we we once again we're not here to be like this is your spoiler, you know, your spoiler show. Mm-mm. What we do want to do is is kind of give you an idea of what happens to these characters over time, um, because right away in the beginning of the show. You, we've talked about this already with Dennis being probably the most self-absorbed out of the characters in terms Easily. of vanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that takes him to escalatingly like just horrible things throughout the show uh, with his body image, uh, with how he treats, you know, treats women, uh, his substance abuse issues, like everything just becomes like untethered to a point where he's physically like seeing things that aren't actually happening. <laughs> And uh, and there's a really mm-hmm. funny episode that has cameos from two people that I will not mention because it's too goddamn funny mm-hmm. uh, to to say out loud. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you remember this episode, Joe, but he mm-hmm. he basically it's called Dennis Reynolds and Erotic Life, and he yeah he basically mm-hmm. keeps memoirs of all of his sexual exploits. Yep, uh, and uh, it basically it leads to him. Uh, passing out in front of a a, a clinic a health clinic mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's one example of of like just the characters and their escalating journeys throughout this um with mac you know with 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 rob McElhenney's character you know rob uh actually comes from a family where two of his brothers are are gay mm-hmm. and so he makes references to this on the show too with like family members on the show i think I think two of his cousins are, are gay on the show. Um, and there's a lot of things that he builds into his character that also shows like a journey of coming out and mm-hmm. figuring out like his identity. And he's like, this is one of those things in the show that actually ends up being like poetic and not just a sight gag. 
like he he comes out over time in different ways mm-hmm. and and that becomes like his character's journey outside of some of the self-absorbed things we've talked about so that's something to kind of watch out for with with rob and and mm-hmm. uh, or the character of mac who uh whose full name is actually ronald mcdonald by the way <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah and otherwise you know with with charlie like we mentioned his his character um it has always been like like just perplexing to me mm-hmm. because yeah like we talked in the beginning he's not like he's not the dumbest person in the crew in the beginning but he clearly is like the whole evolves rest into of the that yeah. yeah or devolves into that i want to say probably not evolves into that yeah um mm-hmm. but but he displays like there are clearly things that that he brings up that are that indicate there's some intelligence living in there because you end up finding out that he's actually a really good musician mm-hmm. <laughs> even though uh even though he 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 shouldn't have you know any talents towards that no yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 kitten mittens he designed kitten mittens he man. did he had a hit product on his on his hands there <laughs> and he may be a full-on rapist but that yes yes um it's true and enjoys a good milk steak with a yes. side of jelly beans and let's not forget the grilled charlie because for some reason charlie and food just go together mm-hmm. now uh you you remember my friend ron from from college right oh, we've talked yeah. about ron you've mm-hmm. met ron well ron and i actually one one weekend in college decided to make the grilled charlie oh. uh, in in his apartment <laughs> <laughs> now joe do you remember what the grilled charlie was not offhand oh man so as we talked about frank reynolds played by dane mm-hmm. devito him and charlie eventually end up moving in together uh because uh frank reynolds has you know lived this posh life he's mm-hmm. made a lot of money and he's realized just how unfulfilling that life was um and so to try to figure out how to you know gain some of that back he he sees the youthfulness of the uh of the gang mm-hmm. as, as being a way to do that and his pathway is through charlie right so the grilled charlie is something that he gets introduced to while he's living with charlie and there's just to explain this sandwich joe you got two slices of bread okay you've got you've got cheese on one side okay so on the i think the cheese is on the inside still standard let's go yep keep going peanut peanut butter on the outside okay and then the other side has chocolate syrup on the outside oh boy and, and butter on the inside oh and then you slap that on the pan <laughs> oh god ron ate that uh, you ate that I was gonna say Ron didn't just eat it. Both of us <laughs> ate it, and I'm pretty oh, sure God. both of us went back for for a second. So oh, yeah, Jesus, it's actually pretty tasty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it seems like one of those flavor combinations that shouldn't work, kind of like sour cream and Oreos. <laughs> I still will not try that. By the way, you try it. Yeah, fucking try it. Holy shit! It brings the chocolate out like it shouldn't. I don't understand how it does, but it does. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, mm-hmm. rounding out like so. To, talking about uh dane devito's character like mm-hmm. his his journey from like pseudo respected businessman and then kind of devolving into this you know really uh, weird individual <laughs> yes really strange that actually does explain how a lot of his his character development kind of goes mm-hmm. um and one other parallel to seinfeld that i will mention 
like Sweet D does start off as a character who seemingly does have more of a conscience than the rest of the the group does. The rest of the gang, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just just like Elaine in Seinfeld, she does become a lot like the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was because she asked for it. She said, like, oh. I don't I don't want to continue. Like Caitlin Olson said, I don't want to continue being, you know, this character. Mm-hmm. Let me let me become like the rest of these guys. <laughs> and it paid off. She she's mm-hmm. she's hilarious as Sweet D. And, mm-hmm. and it's because of the fact that, yeah, she completely turns uh, turns a corner after season two. And she's she's up to the same horrible antics that the rest of them are like like in the beginning she's doing things like uh pretending to be crippled to gain pity from people <laughs> and <laughs> and it only gets worse from there mm-hmm. yeah well so. like isn't there a point where like they try they try moving and they try moving they try driving somewhere and they need to pull money for something and d has enough money to like do her share and just they just need like two hundred dollars and the other three characters didn't didn't have it and she's like how the hell do three grown-ass men not have two hundred dollars between them <laughs> which which is uh that's a, that's a, an episode where uh this this uh sound equipment falls at the back of a truck and mm-hmm. and charlie and d find the you know the the stereo equipment mm-hmm. and it ends up having drugs in it oh uh, yeah so that's the gang gets whacked you know where they they meet you know they, they meet actual mobsters and mm-hmm. yes that, that's a two-part episode it's also very very funny <laughs> um <laughs> see and the thing is like you, if i if i if you give away too much like mm-hmm. th- these episodes if somebody explained each one of these to me i'd be pissed off because the i mean it's 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 just too damn funny to have oh, somebody yeah. walk you through it it really is um and yeah, I'm, I'm actually thinking of a very specific moment right now, which features another really great cameo. Mm-hmm. And there's an exchange between him and Dennis for like Dennis's face. Just there, there's <laughs> it, it changes in a way that like a comedic actor, you would never expect him to be able to do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, like there's there's just a lot of stuff throughout this show's history that I, I think no matter at what point you jump on you'll be able to find, you know, pretty damn funny. Mm-hmm. And if you don't find stuff funny, you'll at least respect, I think, what they can do because um, there's an episode in season 10 called Charlie Work where mm-hmm. they have, uh, and it's also one of the highest rated episodes of this this whole series. Okay. Where they do a seven minute uninterrupted shot in the bar. And the whole point of this episode is to show how Charlie actually knows how to run the bar in in ways that work for him that has kept it successful that none of the other people knew about right and uh this seven minute like uninterrupted shot is is really impressive i would say for just any any show um but to see them pull it off was really you know really impressive Mm -hmm. so so we're not just talking about shock value you know well-delivered jokes and and strong acting uh aside from strong writing but the execution of the things that they're doing, you can tell like th- these are people who um, are, are truly dedicated to making like a solid program. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, it takes different okay. forms, whichever, yeah. whichever season you're in. 
Okay, so if we, maybe we, since we are talking Seinfeld and hell, there's even an episode where they do a Seinfeld homage where they <laughs> reenact um, a scene from, uh, is it is the wager or the bet? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the red the red shirt. Yep, yeah, the red shirt. Um, and when we did the Seinfeld episode, we even said, like, if we wanted a launching off point, if you had to give a favorite episode or a good place to start, so, and not like a, start watching here and keep going forward but like if you wanted a good taste of the show like these are this is a good example of what the characters are and what you can expect if you were to keep watching and even go back and watch and then and go forward to the point what episode would you recommend people to go off of um you know i i for me i don't think one episode is truly enough mm -hmm. uh i so when i've talked about the jumping off point for people i've always said start with season three mm -hmm. And, and that's because of some of the episodes that I've mentioned, like the gang gets invincible is, is absolutely hilarious. Uh, there's an episode where the gang is gets held hostage. And that's an episode with the McPoyles that to this day is one of my favorite ones of the entire series. It is, mm -hmm. it is just so strange. It is so weird, <laughs> but it's really, it, it even has a diehard reference that uh, is a really deep seated one. Uh, yeah mm -hmm. and i mean uh just there's there's a ton of other really good ones in here uh when we talk about schemes and like trying to get ahead and getting clout uh there's one called frank set sweet d on fire and and this whole episode is just them trying to like you know get like viral videos and get noticed mm -hmm. um and obviously mac is a serial killer comes from that season too yep. so mm -hmm. um and actually yeah the gang gets whacked is also in season in three season three yeah yeah and um, my one of my favorite ones for a good jumping off point too is also season three, and that's uh, bums making a mess all over the city. Oh, yes. where uh, like I guess like all the characters are doing their own thing in this. Uh, you've got not all of them doing their own thing. Like they kind of break off into groups. So you've got uh, Dennis and Frank somehow get a hold of an old retired squad car, and then yes. they just like get like rented like police uniforms from like a, like a, like an acting thing. And they go around basically all they try doing with it is getting free food from hot dog stands yes because they sure. just give them to cops and then you've got um basically mac and d like forming like a local militia yes to clean up all the crime around there because that's what's really gonna do it's not gonna be the police yes and then charlie has this weird like he thinks everyone is trying to play a character so he wants to be serpico he just wants to be serpico he just wants, he just wants to be wants serpico to be just wants to dress up as al pacino because everybody yep. else is doing the cop thing so he's just went, <laughs> yeah, he wants to face her for go oh my god and his the, <laughs> the ending part in front of city hall gets me every fucking time oh yes <laughs> how mr. about Ma how do you like this spin doctor's mix <laughs> <laughs> mr mayor which is spelled m-a-r-e yep again yeah. showing that charlie just not not smart oh god and seriously like that's that season that's why three. i see Mm -hmm. Season three for me is like, yeah, if you want to truly get like a great snapshot of the series, like start there. Uh, it's it's absolutely hilarious. And there are so many great side characters that we haven't even talked about yet, um, which frankly, I think it's better for you to just experience it if you're brand new to the series and have mm -hmm. never watched it. Um, it's not even worth us getting into them. Mm -hmm. Like like the side characters in this show are are really well fleshed out. Um, there are people who appear in the in the early seasons that come back um so yeah it's it's definitely worth the experience all those together but when we talk about strong writing one other thing i'll mention to this joke i know we're we're getting kind of long in the tooth here 
you mentioned Rickety Cricket, right? Mm-hmm. Who is uh, played by David Hornsby, and uh, his his character is memorable because he kind of, he kind of proves how people who come into contact with the the gang mm-hmm. they usually don't leave better people. No, no, they do not. <laughs> yeah, and his character is a testament to that fact because horrible things happen to Rickety Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> very very bad things happen to Rickety Cricket. Yes, yes, and and his his character, some of the worst things happened to him early in the history of the series. Um, so you don't have to wait long to really see that. So I guess if you want to have something else to kind of watch out for, definitely do that there because David Hornsby is a, a tremendously talented writer, uh, and and you'll see his his name pop up in a lot of the written by credits uh, throughout the the series history too. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually if I know if there's an episode written by him, it's, it's one to, to keep your eyes glued to, but, but yeah, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's yeah. a great series that surprisingly has managed to stay, you know, in terms of writing and quality, mm-hmm. um, they're always going to, there's always going to be a couple episodes in a season where you just might be like, yep, I'm going to take this yeah. one off. Mm-hmm. But just because that happens, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be like a tremendously ridiculously like like yeah. well put like high point in that same season mm-hmm. so i mean really if you're looking at like a time of like starting to watch this because you know like i don't know if you're like me like i can sometimes feel overwhelmed with the amount of media to consume that's out there and like knowing like where to start like you hear like so many good shows are going on you should watch this you should watch this i'm like no nah, i think i'm going to watch seinfeld for the 15th time through <laughs> because yeah. i'm comfortable with that i'm really only good with five shows that's all i need um, if you have like a, like a massive list of things you want to pay attention to, you know what? When you're working on something else, throw It's Always Sunny on in the background. Make sure it's not something where you like maybe have to have some sort of communication going on with someone because something's going to slip out that they probably shouldn't hear. Uh, especially like we said, not all the show has been going on for over a decade. A lot of the a lot of the jokes are um, off maybe not off-putting but definitely don't land like they used to back in the early 2000s but you know start with season three put it on while you're doing something else and i guarantee you that there's something's going to happen enough where you're going to look up from what you're doing maybe even go back a little bit watch it from what just where you couldn't believe you just heard and you're going to laugh and i think maybe that's one of the best ways to start the show is uh, have it on while you're trying to do something else and then you'll fall in love with it while you're trying to work on other things. Well, really what I think if, if someone needs an episode, like you kind of mentioned a moment ago, like, mm-hmm. is there one episode that we really want to pinpoint? I, I will amend that statement. There's, there's a very specific episode that, that I have shown people uh, that, <laughs> that uh, is, is absolutely essential viewing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I will amend this in season nine. There's an episode called flowers for Charlie. Okay. And it's written uh, by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. So the creative team behind Game of Thrones. All right. They were really big fans of the show and vice versa. So mm-hmm. uh, they came together and they and they wrote this show, this episode. And it is, uh, it is an episode where a scientist tries to prove whether or not he can increase someone's intelligence uh, just truly with science. Of course, Charlie ends up being that person. Uh, and yes, uh, yep. Perfect candidate (laughs) with, Mm -hmm. yes, without going any further than that. If, if you're, if you, if you're in Joe's seat 
you're mm-hmm. one of those people that says, you have suggested I watch this, therefore fuck you. Mm-hmm. This is the episode to break That's through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to break through that. I, I really do think that for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Then I think this is a good place to uh, to stop for the episode. So we've given you your suggestions. We've gone over roughly what to expect from the characters uh, and their general personalities of these are bad people, but you're probably going to stick around to see what they do next because they're all their own type of crazy. So on that note, definitely highly recommend watching the series. There's going to be something there in its 15 season uh, library that's going to tickle your fancy that you're going to enjoy. So we've given you some episodes too, and I think it's time that we say goodbye and good night. And until next time, keep on dissecting.